When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you look at anxiety as a gas gauge on your dashboard, as a smoke detector in your living room, you realize that's not the problem. The problem is something's on fire. The problem is my car's out of gas. And then the harder question is, how do I deal with that? It's easy to get up in your kitchen and take the batteries out of the smoke detector. It's way harder to fight a fire. What if our bodies are working exactly as they were designed? What would that mean about the world we've created and dropped them into? That's a much more challenging, but a much more fruitful conversation. Did you know that 70% of us have three or fewer close friends? Well, what does this have to do with anxiety? Yeah, today we get to talk to Dr. John Deloney about building a non-anxious life. And you'll see how this all connects because he isn't talking to just those who have an, an anxiety diagnosis, mm. but really how anxiety impacts all of us. So um, if you're listening, this is for you. Dr. John Deloney is a national best-selling author, mental health and wellness expert, and is also the host of the Dr. John Deloney Show. He holds two PhDs and he's super qualified today to talk about this subject of anxiety. Yes, and he's been on the podcast before talking specifically about connection and friendship, but this episode connects anxiety to that last episode that we did with him. So we'll link the last one in the show notes and you're really in for a treat with this episode. Welcome back, Dr. John Deloney to the podcast. Yes, we're so grateful you're with us again. Adam and Carissa, what's up? <laughs> Man. Aww. Well, you have an incredible book coming out and... It is all about building a non-anxious life. And we want to talk to you about that today. <laughs> I want to build that too. That sounds awesome. Right. We could yeah. use some of that. So where do we start with this building? Let's let's dive in. <laughs> you actually talk about anxiety um, and parallel that with a uh, fire alarm, smoke detector. Um, why is that helpful in understanding anxiety? Um, because anxiety is not the problem. If you, I mean, we were just talking off air about you're traveling across the world with your mm -hmm. kids yeah. and you're anxious about what's going to happen to them. That's, that's not a bad thing. Right. That's your mm -hmm. body saying, Hey, are you seeing all the threats out here? And if you're like me, I'm like, no, oh, what threats? Right. <laughs> and so um, anxiety is not the issue there. The issue is we're doing something scary. We're taking our kids out of the country. We've never done it before. We've never gone to this place. It's a new culture, new time, new what? Mm -hmm. And so if you look at um, anxiety as, as a gas gauge on your dashboard, as a smoke detector in your living room, you realize that's not the problem. The problem is something's on fire. The problem is my car's out of gas. And then the harder question is, how do I deal with that? It's easy to get up in your kitchen and take the batteries out of the smoke detector. Mm -hmm. It's way harder to fight a fire. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I don't think, if you look at the anxiety stats, it's madness. It's madness. And if you include mm -hmm. burnout and chronic stress, all that into that big, big ball of earth that we call anxiety. Yeah. Um, man, we didn't all get anxious overnight. 
something else is at play. And mm. I just happen to think our bodies aren't the problem. I think it's the culture and ecosystem we've created and our bodies are trying to get our attention. Mm-hmm. So true. Yeah. So what are the stats? I mean, is it, is it common for anxiety? I know that I know the answer. I is mean, I've yes. seen, <laughs> I've seen the low bar of 40 million Americans. I've seen 50% when you include burnout and all it's all over the place. So the way I like to describe it to folks is you're dealing with this in your life. You're either struggling with burnout with that low level hum that something's not right and you yeah. could be more or should be more or your kid's struggling or I don't I, I hate the schools or I think the government's trying to kill me or you could have a clinical diagnostic right you could mm. actually be struggling or you're married to somebody who is you're working next to somebody you're a boss and you're leading somebody who is so um it affects everybody mm. it does yeah. yeah would you distinguish between stress and anxiety um yeah, I mean the the simple way is stress is stress is generally good. It's that it's your body gearing up to attack or to um, engage in something that's challenging. Whether it's an right. exam, I'm glad I'm stressed out before a, a date because that encourages me to shower and maybe brush my teeth. Right? <laughs> I mean, it's and to be like, hey, am I am I date worthy material? Right? Mm-hmm. Um, anxiety is when it begins to overwhelm the system. Anxiety is when it becomes something I can't get out of my head and I start creating stories and I start creating off ramps. I call and cancel last minute um, Mm. or I um, act weird or I have to have two drinks to go on this date. That's when my body's trying to tell me something Mm -hmm. and I have to come up with some coping strategies to ignore my own innate alarm systems so I can go do this thing. Um, But by and large, I think stress is mostly pretty good unless it becomes a way of life. Mm. So when so, it's debilitating or pervasive over or a pervasive, long... it's chronic. It just keeps happening and happening and happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, yeah. A- athletes. I mean, I, I, the analogy I use when it comes to that is boxers, professional fi- boxers, people who for a living put on gloves and punch other people for money. Right? That's stressful. Um, <laughs> they have to, after <laughs> three minutes, sit down on a stool for a minute and rest. You have to take some mm-hmm. time off. And in the lives we've created for ourselves, we don't get that minute rest between rounds. We just go to the next thing and go to the next thing and go to the next thing. And I go from mother to employee to mother to wife to co-manager of a house to sexy, you know, let's make out to now I get one second of my time before I'm asleep. And then the whole thing starts up again the next day. Uh, There's no time to, to rest and let your body recover right. and do what it needs to do to show up in any of those spaces. Yeah. But, right. but John, I have to do all this stuff. I have all these things. I can't drop any of it. Like so that's, everything that, rests on me. That's the that's, mentality. Yeah. That was, um, that was one of the, one of the important things I learned in counseling. Like, Hey, uh, you're not the center of the universe. And I was like, yes, I am. <laughs> yes. Um, hold on to this. Yeah. If I don't do it, it will never get done as excellent yeah. as I could do it. That's just a myth I told myself because I was insecure. And so, yeah. Um, yeah, that's a hard moment when you sit down with folks. And I know y'all, y'all coach people in the same way, but you don't have to live in that neighborhood. You don't have to drive those cars. You know, kids don't have to go to that school. Your kids don't, you don't have to vote that way. You don't have to. You don't have to go to that church building. You don't have to do all these things we line up for each other. And when you start to peel that onion back, suddenly you realize 
I got a lot more agency and autonomy than I thought I did. And also that's terrifying. It's scary. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. That's so good. So, I mean, not to pry, but you, you wrote the, oh, pry the away, book. brother, pry away. <laughs> you, you wrote the book on the non-anxious life and you wrote a book. I know that's a lot of work and you're a highly productive, motivated individual with a family, with friends, with a life that's involved with this church. You have all these things. How was this for you? Like writing these things. And I mean, I would think walking in your shoes for just a second, you're probably preaching to yourself at times. How did you like work through these, these movements of like, okay, I know I need to do this and this is popping up for you, but you're also writing it and you know, it's true, but you know, like you're working through this, I, I would assume at the same time, or at some point in your life, you had to face okay. this thing head on. Um, How was I that for you? I, I, I crashed and burned. I wish there was a uh, another way to, to tell it. Um, the I was halfway through the manuscript about, um, and I was trying to keep my same speaking schedule and my same recording schedule and my same come up with business products and things like that. Mm -hmm. And... Um, there was these two particular speaking gigs that I really wanted to get. And I was down, I was over Christmas holidays. I was down in my basement and I was working out and uh, my manager called and said, Hey, uh, I got these gigs. And I started cheering so loud. I was screaming out and not in a goofball way, but kind of in a goofball way. Like, ah, cause I still have that little, that little devil in the back of my mind saying, Hey, this all runs out. This all goes mm. away. And you were poor when you were a kid. Y'all didn't have a lot. Um, and by the way, I wasn't poor. Um, we didn't have a lot, but I wasn't, I wasn't in poverty. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This all runs out. This all runs out. This all, you take what you get, you take what you get. And mm -hmm. so um, I'm cheering down there and my wife comes downstairs and she's like, what are you yelling about? She's smiling. Like, what are you doing? And I was like, I got these gigs. And um, normally she withdraws when she gets frustrated and normally she backs up and mm -hmm. we talk about it later and this time for whatever reason she didn't she came real close to me and she said these words i'm watching my husband die right in front of me and i don't want to do this again because she'd seen it 10 years earlier when i was chasing achievement and titles and yet another phd and all these things that i was trying to fill up this inner inner hole with yeah suddenly I'm traveling around the country doing great things and great. things that have value that are ex have excellence good to things. them. Yeah. And yeah. in the process, I was missing all the great and good and excellent things that actually matter at home. Yeah. And she said, I'm watching you die. And um, then she said something that I didn't have a psychology for. She said, John, um, like how much I love you, how, how safe you make me because of how much money you make. She said, that piece of the pie is full. She said, we have enough. We have enough. And I didn't have a roadmap for enough. I don't know what, the, I didn't know what that word meant. Mm. Enough meant for right now and you better go get some more. And so, um, and she, and we, she went on to say, you know, you can take these speaking gigs. I'm not gonna tell you no. I'm never gonna tell you no. I love you. And I'm, I'm never gonna tell you no, but don't say it's for me and don't say it's for our kids and don't say it's mm. for our family. These are for your ego. Ooh. Go do whatever you want to do. It's for your ego. And, um, I left. I got my bag and I got all my books and I went and locked myself in a hotel for 10 days or I don't remember, it was forever. And I started, basically started the book over. 
And it was the way I describe it is if it was a book about me lecturing America on how to be non-anxious. And then it quickly turned into me pulling a bar stool up at the bar and being like, I'll have a round and me looking down and being like, Hey guys, uh, how we doing? And so it became yeah. a, I'm very much with you. Yeah. And if it can happen to me, I'm in a season of blessing right now. If it can happen to me, my God, dude, what have we done to our uh. culture and our community that has created this madness? And so to answer your question, mm. I'm actually right this second. I'm busier than I was back then. Mm. But my wife and I in June said, hey, from August through October, you're going to be putting a book out into the world. That's a lot of travel and a lot of media and a lot of chaos. What do we need to start doing right now to put the relational deposits in the bank, to make sure we've got time scheduled for our kids, to build a rhythm of every week we're talking and we're dating and we're going out again so that that continues through so that during the chaos, we are still anchored in together. And so, dude, I'm busier now and we are way closer together. And, um, so to answer your question, I did not do a good job in the middle of this book, and I used the book as a roadmap out of, yeah. whew, here's how yeah. to create a life that's just not so chaotic all the time. Hmm. So good. Well, and that ties to the, I think you, you referenced the stat in the book. You talk about how we know so much more about anxiety now. We know more than we've ever known, and yet we're just as burnt out and anxious as we've ever been. Um, yeah. and more burned out and anxious than we've ever been. Why is that in general? Well, we're on the, I think we're on the back end of the enlightenment where we thought if we take everything apart to its smallest piece, mm -hmm. if we figure, okay, so you, you are feeling this thing we're going to call depression. Let's pull it apart and pull it apart and deconstruct it all the way down to its molecular level. Mm -hmm. And then we can fix you. And what we're finding is, okay, we know how serotonin and dopamine work, and we know how oxytocin works, and we know how vitamin D interacts with blah, blah. We know the omega-3 to omega-6 ratios. And you got this person drowning over here mm. saying, please, will somebody help me? And so um, we have all the information in the world. We've got some of the most brilliant minds and the brilliant technology. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. And we have more people than ever before in human history under the care of a licensed mental health professional. That's my mm -hmm. gang. That's my people. Mm -hmm. And we have more people than ever before in human history medicated for some sort of quote unquote diagnostic. Mm -hmm. And the three of us can literally, if we combine forces, push a button on a magic wand called a cell phone and communicate with a million people at the same time. Yep. That's insane on the like evolutionarily. That's a madness. Yeah. We have a million people at our fingertips we can connect with. Yeah. And we are more anxious than ever before. And so we have to ask a humbling, scary question. What if what we're doing is not working? What if it's not about more data? And what if it's not about you're broken and I got to fix you? Mm. What if it's not about this medicalization and professionalization of every nook and cranny of the human experience? What if our bodies are working exactly as they were designed? What would that mean about the world we've created and dropped mm. them into? That's mm. a much more challenging, but a much more fruitful conversation. Yeah, it would be yes. more God-honoring, right? Because if I God mean, created us this way. Yeah. yeah I, mean, I just reject the fact that we all broke 35 years ago. Mm -hmm. Like, right. And thank God these billion-dollar companies were there to solve us. <laughs> and uh, like, yeah. 
And he, I am a huge proponent of medication. I'm a huge proponent of science. Sure. Thank God we've got doctors out there yes. doing some wild, crazy stuff. I'm all yeah. about it. Um, I also don't think if your spouse leaves you that you're suddenly depressed. You can be heartbroken too. You can be yeah. sad also. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. Just because you haven't slept and just because you're lonely and just because you have a huge law school exam tomorrow – and you feel anxious, your body's not broken. It's yeah. trying to do the best it can to let you know, ah, yeah. right? It's working. Yeah. I have needs, meet my yeah, needs. That's, that's yeah. right. I need, yeah, I've got, I need some help. And mm -hmm. um, you got to put gas in the car. And so I think it's a reimagination. I think it's making peace with our bodies and then yes. reverse engineering. Okay, what do we got to do now then? Mm -hmm. That's okay. a scary question to ask. That's a scary question. So what's the process of of this person's identifying with everything you're saying oh my goodness this is me i feel like i'm on the proverbial gangplank about ready to be forced off um what do i do what are the steps that i take to start to live in peace the way my body was created to to, to function um I, I'll, I'll rattle through them and then y'all we can we can talk let's talk through a couple of them um okay. i can get to talking about all of them you know like when you meet somebody and they're like you want to see pictures of my kid and they just start talking about the kids and you're like oh my gosh um so Wrong i can question. get that way because i've been so steeped in it and other people just like start snoring but um I, it, in this book i i, I was a i've created a roadmap and yep. i tried to make it as simple as possible um and it's it does incorporate all the neuroscience but this is a book for people who don't read books and so um andrew huberman will always be smarter than me for the end till the end of time <laughs> peter atia will always guy. be smarter than me for the till the end of human history they'll be smarter <laughs> than me um i would like to sit down with folks who don't read books yeah. and say or whose dad left and they don't have a roadmap and to say hey there's another way yeah. Um, and you acknowledge and so, all of the science and, and it, there's a brief yeah, there, summary of it, but, but you're like, here, let's actually talk about like what you understand and right, right, right. helpful. Yeah. Um, Ohio ready for some quick mental health facts. Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition in the U S more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. And so really, it, it, if you think of a wheel and there's six spokes on this wheel, the components of a non-anxious life, the things that your body needs so it doesn't sound the alarms, um, is you have to make a series of choices on a regular basis. You have to choose reality. You have to choose connection. You have to choose freedom, agency, and autonomy. And we could dig into that one if you want. You have to choose mindfulness, which sounds like an old dude with a beard on a cloud. That's not what I mean. I'm, I mean, you have to choose awareness and being curious over being unintentional and judgmental all the time about everything. You have to choose health and healing. Most of us treat our cars better than we treat our bodies. We wash them more regular. No, that's not true. Some people shower every day. <laughs> but we change the oil. We make sure there's air in the tires. We just take care of the – we put gas in it. Um, and so you have to choose health and healing. you got to deal with those old childhood traumas. And then the last one is um, the most controversial one. You have to choose belief. You have to choose to lean into something bigger than yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and in seasons – 
If you tell me, John, man, you got to you got to start exercising again. I can be like, all right, you're right. Let's do this. And that's not a hard thing for me. But I'm somebody whose faith is hard for me. And so there are seasons when I struggle with it. And mm -hmm. I start realizing, hey, you, you're trying to solve the world. Um, you're trying to carry the universe on your shoulders again. Mm. I have to exhale. It's hard for me. Yeah. Submission is hard for me, right? Mm -hmm. For some people, apologizing to their spouse, choosing connection, choosing friendship. And they mm -hmm. feel awkward or not as pretty as they used to or not as handsome as they used to. It's hard. Mm -hmm. um, or they've been a stay-at-home mom and now they're back in the world and they're like, I don't know how to have friends. I'm just going to go home. Yeah. Um, Netflix is there at home to greet you and like, cool, we got you. We'll just start the next episode for you. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's hard. So all that to say is none of these are easy. Yeah. Um, but if we're constantly monitoring those six things, mm -hmm. then our body knows, Hey, you're driving. And like yeah. I said earlier, you can go do hard, hard, crazy, hard things because you're in the driver's seat. It's when you're in the backseat of your own life that your body starts sounding all the alarms. <sighs> yes. Okay, well, let's hone in on one of those six or a couple of those six. Okay. Let's start with connection, choosing yeah. connection. I read a stat that your team did um, when you guys researched last year that 82% of us are spending most of our time with people that don't know us deeply. Eight out of 10. Is that wild? It's wild. So and talk what, to us about well, why. Why do we choose that over here's connection? What's, here's what's more wild. Um, <laughs> I'll just, I mean, here we're here. So um, <laughs> I haven't, I've actually haven't talked about this on a podcast yet. Um, eight out of 10. I got these stats back. So our team did this study and it's a generalizable study. It was, with, uh, I don't remember how big the population sample, but it was big. And it was outside of our tribe. It was a white space place. So it was, it was yeah. a legitimate gathering of data. That's awesome. Eight out of 10. And I was reading into that, like, don't really know. And I was like, um, that's, in, that's crazy. Who doesn't have that? And then on my drive home, I thought, oh, my wife doesn't know that I've been wondering about this. Mm -hmm. My wife doesn't fully know that I'm struggling with my faith like this. My buddy, Todd, who's my best friend on the planet, doesn't actually know that me and my wife need to have some hard conversations. Um, my buddy, John, who's one of my best friends on planet Earth, doesn't know that. And I started realizing, oh, my gosh, this is my survey. Mm. And I'm one of the eight, mm. right? Yeah. right? And so we have created the loneliest generation in human history. And we've outsourced relationships to digital platforms, which is fine. Mm. But we have to know that, you know, communicating with each other is different than connecting with each other. So true. We also have, we have a culture that is... Um, excuse my language, but we enter every room butt crack first. We enter every relationship <laughs> problem first. How, wow. was your week, how was your weekend? Oh, it was so much. The kids were crazy. It was so hot. Yeah. Nobody enters okay. into a spaces with, a, with joy first. How was your yeah. weekend? Dude, it was so hot. We ended up staying inside and we created this cool fort. Um, or my kids were all over the place. They were a madhouse, but man, thank God they're healthy and we don't enter yeah. into any space gratitude right yeah with joy mm -hmm. and so we get into mm -hmm. this this game of olympics about who's got the most struggles and that's how we connect with one another and then you end up on teams not for what you're for but on who you all hate together mm -hmm. and nobody wants to be around those people all the time so we just deal with them digitally and suddenly we're just mm. at a kitchen table surrounded by people that we know innately love us and we are dead alone 
Yeah. Or we share a bed with somebody we've been married to for 10 years and they're six inches from us and they might as well be a million miles apart. They have no idea how lonely we are. And we try to solve that with sex and we try to solve that with, um, you know, journaling in the morning. We try to solve that with praying together. There's something else at play and it's this pervasive. I have nobody to tell the good stuff to. And I've got nobody to tell the dark stuff to, and I got nobody to tell the really dark stuff to. And so mm -hmm. I bottle it up and I move on. I also think there's one other thing. Um, in an effort, like a really cool thing, we've got Uber Lyft. We got Uber and Lyft. We've got um, a button you push and they just deliver food to your house. It's amazing. <laughs> and as we've created these technologies, we've also begun to not want to bother people because these technologies are there. Right. Mm -hmm. And so instead of going to our neighbor and saying, hey, can I borrow some eggs? We just don't want to bother anybody. Mm -hmm. And we just push a button and have them deliver eggs. Or yeah. I don't want to bother anybody to ask them to take me to the airport. I'm just going to call this stranger to pick me up in a strange car mm -hmm. and they'll drive me. And suddenly overnight, we've begun to believe that we're a burden, mm -hmm. that we're bothersome mm -hmm. somehow. And so you've got this innate loneliness. And then this, the greatest gift I could give you is to not call you. Cause I don't want to bother you. And it, we just bury ourselves in the hole that we dug and mm. man, and then we wonder why our bodies are ringing off the hook. And so, um, over centuries, our bodies have moved towards this notion that you got to have somebody watching for safety and you got somebody watching the kids and you got somebody looking for food and somebody cleaning the clothes. And if your body looks around and realizes you're all alone, even in a crowded room, it will sound the, it would be failing you. If it let you sleep all night, it'd be mm -hmm. failing you mm -hmm. because you're all alone. Everything rests on you. Safety, security, food, water, mm -hmm. survival. And so it's got to wake you up every six hours, every four hours and check around. It's yeah. got to make you uneasy because you're not safe. Yeah. And um, so often we go to the doctor and say, I'm anxious, I'm anxious, I'm anxious. Yeah. And we're one of the eight out of 10. Nobody knows us. Yeah. So we got to go be weird. There's no path for 35 year olds to make friends. That doesn't exist, right? So true. Uh, it's the worst. And there's all these little like yeah. there's all there's all these like I don't know how they vote, and I don't know if they believe. I don't know if they go to church. And oh, you're Christian, but what if you're a weird Christian, or what if you're like not a normal <laughs> Christian? Are you a progressive Christian? Are you a, a, a like we put all these labels on top of labels on top of labels on yeah. top of labels. And then we're like, you know what, dude, let's just watch Netflix. It's so much easier. And <laughs> it just is. It's easier. Let's right? just hit a button and they're just going to bring us some sort of carbohydrate laden pizza product. Yeah. It's so good. It makes my body feel good. And then, um, as I heard one re researcher say, we are lonelying ourselves to death. Yeah. And here we are. And we yeah. wonder why we're anxious. It's yeah. so good. Because you, you talked about that system for 35 year olds to make friends like that system is built in when we're young, you know, you're, yes, you're all so coming cool. together in school yeah. and sports teams and, and it's, it's like a path, but at 35, like, what is that path? How can we practically go and make friends? Well, think about it. Think about even before that. So like, I think, I think I may have talked about this in the book. I'm not sure if it made the final cut, but, um, like when you're in elementary school, they just drop you, you all have to sit in the same little line and then they make you all go to music. And then there's a few of you that nerd out and love music. And there's a few of you that hate it. Well, y'all kind of form, that's kind of your little gang. And then they dump you all into PE and some of you love kickball, like 
religiously. And some of you think it's so stupid and you just walk to the first base. And <laughs> then you see other people who walk to first base. And you're like, that's my that's those are my people. Uh-huh. And then you get to high school and there's band and choir. And so everything like connection is curated. Here's a group and here's a group and here's a group. You have no group. Well, that's your group. Y'all are the kids that smoke cigarettes behind the school. And you're like, yeah, let's let's smoke weed because everything's the, everything's the worst. Let's write poetry about our dads. Y'all are in a group now. (laughs) And then you go to college and you have sororities and groups and your major. And then you become juniors and seniors. You, everything's curated. And then you graduate and you walk across that stage and you go get your first job and it's you versus everyone. Mm-hmm. And if you get that first sales job and you make that sale, you took food off that guy's plate mm-hmm. and he's not going to let that happen again. And so what do you got to do? Run faster and run harder. Mm-hmm. And we have no psychology for a tribe after graduation or after we get out of the military or after we mm-hmm. get done with our trade school. It's you versus the world. Oh, you're a plumber. You better do a great job because that guy wants your plumbing business. Mm-hmm. And man, you're off to the races. And suddenly we have these long text threads because we try to revive our high school friendships and we send funny memes and it's hilarious and good job and blah, blah. And then you wake up and you're 30 and you have a kid and you have a spouse that you mostly know kind of, but you're through performing and you don't have a plan B and you don't look like how you look in the mirror anymore because you're not as skinny as you used to be or you're not as fill in the blank or you see eye crinkles or whatever thing you're coming up with. Yeah. And there's no roadmap. So the only way to make friends in your 30s and 40s, honestly, 50s and 60s, is you have to just go be weird. You have to go yeah. first. You got to be first and just say, you know what? Forget it. Monday night's my house. Yeah. Y'all nine people. And six of that nine are going to be the worst. The yeah. worst. They're not going to get communication cues. They're going to be annoying. They're going to talk about stupid things. They're going to bring dumb food. Fine. And two of them are going to be fine. They're going to be cool. And then one of that nine Oh, let's hang out again. Mm. Uh, let's hang out again. Hey, could you give me a ride somewhere? Absolutely. I got you. And then on the mm. ride, you talk about something hilarious. And I don't have another roadmap. And mm. I will say this. There is some truth this, to the kind of the psychological uh, meme, if you will, that women often connect. And again, this is overly generalizing, sure. but women connect kneecap to kneecap around a table. How are yeah. you? And men often connect shoulder to shoulder. Mm-hmm. Let's let's dig a hole. Let's solve a problem. Let's yeah. let's. Hey, can you come over and help me with my chainsaw? Yes, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't care what you have to do, but you've got to figure out a way to be proactive and just go make friends. Yeah. And it's very very hard. And it's I love how you said it's weird because it's risky. It's, it's super vulnerable. Risky. I mean, you could go out for the high five and they could totally leave you hanging. Yeah. Yes. Or you could say like, oh my gosh, last night me and my husband, and they're like what y'all are freaks and you're like no what and so i don't i don't have, i don't have a plan b to that right. or um like yeah my wife man when she gets mad she sets the house on fire right? and everyone's like what it's it's, it's just weird it's yeah. hard yeah. and it's risky you know and mm-hmm. you have to yeah something that i i've realized too i think as i've grown older um i've become less uh accommodating to to differences whereas when you're a kid you're just like ah, everybody's weird you know and and like you have all those different groups you know like i just don't like you know dodgeball but i'll i'll just be out there and you know dodge them but (laughs) you you, but you're still around those people who love it and then as you grow older it's like we get less comfortable with difference and it's like nah cut them out Mm -hmm. and then 
after a while, you don't have any other friends. And so you can't, you're not valuing what those people bring. Um, well, I, at and least... there's, a, there's, a, there's a strange thing in our brains that once it identifies you're lonely, mm. it instantly divides up the world into us's and them's mm. because it, because it's a life or death situation. It's a right. safety situation. They're a threat. They're mm. a threat. And mm. so when you're a kid, everybody's going to be there because we're all going to school the next day. So when you're good. an adult, I don't have to invite you over. And so, dude, I'm kind of lonely, kind of lonely. Well, that guy's weird. He's a them. He's out. Yeah. And then most of us find our tribes virtually now. And so, and then we just tell each other all the same things that we want to hear over and over and over and over and over again. And, yeah. and no depth. And we have, yeah. Oh gosh. It's just shallow. It's two inches, two inches um, yeah. deep and a mile wide. And so, um, and I don't think it's social media's fault. I'm not one of these guys who demonizes the whole thing. Right. Um, but yeah, dude, I think you're exactly right. Our brains, instantly go into survival mode and we shut the whole system down and we wake up and we're just living our life and we've it's that quiet life of desperation right mm -hmm. we just kind of cash in and say this is the way this is gonna be mm -hmm. and we wake up in 20 years and we don't really know our spouse anymore and yeah. we're 40 pounds heavier and then our kids have watched us and they just start the cycle over again for their own household mm. yeah yeah all so right good. well so so taking the risk <laughs> Man, I've just turned this into a real weird. downer, right? No. <laughs> I think that's I think it's a good takeaway for I, next I, steps. For I think it's good because I think people live there and, and they're they're seeing this on the other yeah. side of it and saying, Okay, I want to be right. there. I don't want to be lonely. I want friends yeah. to to ask things of me. Because you know it's funny is when if you call me and said, Hey, you have eggs or you, you want to go with me and take me to the airport, I get to hang out and have a good conversation and, and build something and maybe learn something. And, you know, it's I get to have as, value finally in my day yeah. other than laundry and mowing the yard. I get to like, I got a purpose. Yes. I would love to give you eggs. Right. Yeah. That makes me feel good about myself. Yes. And we steal that from each other. Hey, here's another thing. Um, I, I was on a, um, earlier this summer, I was on a, doing a speaking event and Malcolm Gladwell was on the bill and he said something really important. We all know um, like political and ideological differences. And quite honestly, if we're super honest, it usually ends up about four or five or six things where we really to the death differ on. Mm -hmm. And he suggested something that, duh, never occurred to me. It was just the Malcolm Gladwell like thing he does. Yeah. He's like, what if you just sat down and you quickly outlined, before we get going, stranger, let's go ahead and knock out all the things we agree on. We want to love our spouses, done. We want our kids to go to school and have good teachers, done. We want there to be cops to protect us, done. We yes. want, I mean, just go down the list. You're going to have 10,000 things you agree on and six that you don't. Yeah. Yes. What if you lived in that space? Me and my wife Seriously. have like a thousand things we disagree on. We would be way closer, right? <laughs> and so what if you just started with that list? And it goes back to your saying, I'm just so done with differences. Mm. Cool. I'm just going to quit. I'm going to quit going there and I'm going to spend more of my time on, Oh, y'all want safe schools too. Sweet. Well, let's, we're going to, let's argue about how to get there because we yeah. both have the exact same yes. desire for souls. I love What a that. different way to live, man. So much. And there's so much to talk about and so much to value in the other, in the other person. Yeah. yeah. And so much more opportunity for yeah. connection. Yeah. yeah. But it's like, a is risk. That guy with the other political sign, like, really? Does he hate America? Really? 
<laughs> I don't think so. I think he just wants it to be awesome, and he thinks it awesome looks a different way. Yeah, that's we could start there, right? We can do that. Yeah. So good. I love that. Oh, we could dive into all six of the items on the wheel. <laughs> I know. I could talk Easily. for days. Sorry. No, it's fantastic. Um, well, we're going we're gonna to go ahead and close out the episode. And um, that's by telling folks, you got to get this book. And we're going to link it in the show notes. Um, by the time this airs, it will have already been out for a week. And um, we're telling you guys, this is the most relatable book on anxiety um, that I've ever read. And I've read... Uh, I don't know how many books on anxiety over the last couple decades, but this is the most relatable book. So folks go grab it. It's linked in the show notes. And, um, Dr. John, we're going to ask you that question. We ask every interviewee when we close out our episodes and that is rewind back to your first couple years of marriage and ask yourself, what advice do you, I wish I would have received and fill in the blank, dear young married couple. Oh my gosh. Dear young married couple, play. Stop working so hard. Play. Hmm. Enjoy each other, man, because life is hard. And so uh, you build trust through play. And so enjoy each other. And um, and the work times will come. So good. It's good stuff. Love it. Thank you so much, Dr. John. Hey, Delano. y'all are so great. Appreciate y'all. Appreciate you. Appreciate awesome. you. You're making a difference. Uh, Y'all are too. Y'all are too. Do you want help getting to the next level in your ministry or personal development? We would love to help coach you. I made this statement before. Everyone needs a counselor. Just think about it. Every person competing at the highest levels has someone in their corner. Yeah, leadership doesn't have to be lonely, and we would love to help you. Just shoot us a text, 916-678-1797. And you can also find out more information at DearYoungMarriedCouple.com. P.S. You don't have to be married to get some help. So just reach out, contact us. We'd love to walk alongside you.